Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Yo, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney here, former editor at MuscleMag International, former competitive bodybuilder, um, current strength training enthusiast. Hey, folks. This is uh, Jonathan Mike. I'm a doctorate student and exercise phys strength coach and uh, amateur strongman competitor. Awesome. We have John filling in for uh, Phil who I believe is in the middle of a cross-country move. I'm not sure if he's completed that or not, but uh, John's he, John's briefed it? on the topic, though. What's that? Is, he, is, is Phil doing it uh, um, uh, Forrest Gump style? <laughs> I, I just don't know. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to start off with um, a couple of news blurbs. I've been really making effort to do that this uh, this year in 2011. I've only done it occasionally in years past. God, years past. That's amazing. We're on that, like episode 93, by the way, or something like that now. That's just crazy. Really? We need to have a contest for episode 100 or something. Wow. So, um, awesome. a couple of news blurbs. The first one, and again, this is from different sources from around the web, but I think this is something that uh, podcasts can do for people to kind of bring them up to speed. Some of this stuff is nutritional. Some of it's industry-related, but the first one, this is um, from several sources, but this particular one says, delusional Pepsi CEO says Doritos are not bad for you, okay? So <laughs> PepsiCo CEO Indra Nooyi, N-O-O-Y-I, said on Fox Business Channel's American Icon program that Doritos are not bad for you. She added that they are nothing more than corn mashed up, fried in oil, and flavored in the most delectable way. <laughs> so I would argue that delectable sounds positive, but that doesn't equal not bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, neither is fry, yeah, fried chicken and, uh, and gravy and all that that's stuff. That's right. There you go. It well, says, um, delectable, yeah. this is not the first time Pepsi CEO has come up with a statement that boggles the mind. Again, uh, this is an editorial from, uh, this is partly from the Mercola website. You know, and of course he's very, um, opinionated, almost heretical in his, his nutrition views and whatnot. But, uh, often I think he is on the mark. And it says, uh, not the first time she's come up with something that boggles the mind. Just last month, she stated the company wants to, quote, snackify beverages and drinkify snacks as the next frontier in food and beverage convenience. Great. I don't well, even know what that isn't, means. Isn't soda, like pop, basically liquid candy? It, it really is. I'll tell you. Uh, I, I'm not going to spill the beans because I don't want to get sued here, but last year – I uh, had some internal documents from um, from Pepsi because they own Gatorade, right? And some of the, the documents that I had really do – all I'm going to say is they do in fact support this notion that Pepsi wants to take a new direction and try to become more of a healthy type company or at least in their reputation. Um, 
even as they sell convenience foods and snack foods and high fructose corn syrup. I don't so, really understand how, how that how, how they're supposed to do that. I don't oh, get it. I actually have a couple of things that I wish I could say, and I'm just not. I'm not going to get sued. But there are a couple of surprising things that they're going to drop, pro- recognizable product lines and stuff like that. So interesting stuff. I don't know. I think they they are a huge multinational global corporation, of course. Uh, and when you start to look at the different brands that they own, it's, it's, it is pretty frightening. But anyway, yeah. So they're going to snackify drinks and drinkify snacks and, oh, okay. I hey, Lonnie, know. I wanted to get your, uh, your reaction to those videos that Phil was, uh, kind of sending out to us about those, uh, um, uh, the corn syrup. Yeah. Was that from the Super Bowl? Oh, I was actually going to bring that up. The yeah, I corn, definitely wanted to hear you. Yeah, the Corn Growers Association has actually applied for governmental approval to rename high fructose corn syrup into corn sugar, which they they think will be perceived in a healthier uh, way. I, to me, this is marketing at its worst. Right? I mean, you know, let instead of calling a spade a spade, we're going to you know. For lack of a better term, sorry for the pun, sugarcoat it mm-hmm. uh, to try to make it more palatable for the public. So I don't know. People are obviously really down. They understand that there is something bad about high fructose corn syrup, even if they don't understand the idea that it's really not that different from sucrose. You know, both high fructose corn syrup and sucrose or table sugar are about half fructose. It's really those little pentagons of fructose that are the problem with your metabolism. They're they're fairly lipogenic or, you know, fattening, if you will, and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think it's, it's pretty insidious that they want to change the name. They don't want to change anything about the product. They just want to change its name because it, it really got spun into this, you know, evil thing, I guess. I like the whole thing in those commercials, how they always add the in moderation. Oh yeah. Right. That's right. I suppose you could smoke crack. <laughs> yeah, moderation. In, yeah. If it's in enough moderation. Now, maybe you can't smoke crack in moderation. That's the problem. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I would argue that, that the similar things are true with Doritos and Diet Pops and, and Sugary Pops, too. You know, A lot of people cannot do those things in moderation, especially when every vending machine and every opportunity – you know, is that stuff now? Yeah, if but those if, ven- those vending machines do have those delectable Doritos, delectable. That's right. Now, you know what? M- maybe as part of their, hopefully as part of the public health image turnaround, they're actually going to, you know, redesign or or newly design some products to go with that, and not just try to respin themselves. You know, it, they're the same old juggernaut company. They just want people to think they're healthier, but maybe they'll actually become a little bit healthier. We'll see. Hey, you know, guys, I think that uh, we were amiss there, uh, Lonnie, last couple of weeks in failing to mention the death of Jack LaLanne. Oh, that's a good news blurb. Yeah, we should have. How old was he, Rob? Do you, do you know he was 90-something? 90 96, wasn't he? Wow. Yeah, he was, he was getting up there. Rock on with that guy, you know. You know, I think I think a lot of young weight training enthusiasts today really fail to realize just how um, pioneering that guy was for our you know, end of the fitness spectrum, you know, in his uh, changing people's opinions about resistance training. And um, obviously it's been said many times about how he, you know, was instrumental in helping women, you know, break down that myth of women actually doing resistance training. But in generally speaking, just everybody to do it. I mean, in his younger days, he was looked, like literally looked upon as some sort of freak for doing what he was doing. And people were actually telling him that he was doing nothing but 
you know, hurting himself and wrecking his health by doing these types of things. And, you know, when you look yeah. at all the, the TV shows that he had, um, you know, and, and, and again, promoting things that 40, 50 years ago, you know, people were not only not doing, but actually, you know, believed the myth of them being bad for you. I mean, this guy really was a pioneer, and I think he doesn't get quite, quite the attention, again, in our neck of woods that, that he probably should. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, one of the things we even try to do on Iron Radio is sort of bring some understanding of the subculture, you know, the benefits of strength training and bodybuilding and stuff, you know, to the young guy or, or the average middle-aged guy, whatever. Uh, and yeah, there's Jack Lane doing it many decades ago. I mean, he was doing stuff in the 70s and 80s that, you know, were, were, I mean, I remember watching on TV, I think 12, 15 years ago, him swimming across some, <laughs> some some river or something towing like you know 150 boats behind them or something it was you know this this guy was like you know like a, a billboard for you know hard hardy good living you know and, yeah and he, fitness and, he, and yeah and he lived he lived the life you know he didn't just talk about it he he lived it and uh, he did and you know what he he really went great guns right up until the end i mean yeah you're right you could see him on infomercials and he was doing those juicing things and and all that kind of stuff and i mean yeah, it's not like he would just convalesce for 20 years before he just, he died. Yeah, you know, I mean, and a lot of the young guys, again, they look at him and they, you know, see that in his prime he wasn't a particularly large man. But, you know, he kind of always fell on that side of physical culture, you know, um, rather than just pure hardcore bodybuilding. But still, that's such a close kind of, you know, cousin to, you know, what it is that hardcore bodybuilders do, that whole, you know, physical culture realm, you know, the, the Bob Del Monte type guys. Um, but you know, again, I, I think that, uh, we should all tip our hat to, uh, the memory and, 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 and how much he had served, you know, the, the greater good of what is progressive weight training and health and vitality and all that type of thing. Yeah. I think we, I, I think he gets the iron radio seal of approval. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I also have another, another news. I don't know if some people remember the name Frank Hillebrand. He was a IFBB professional bodybuilder that I think, Late 80s, I suppose, something like that, was his kind of his his time on the posing stage, uh, son. Anyway, and he uh, apparently he's he's dead. Apparently, he died of a heart attack at 45. That's young. Yeah, I don't really know much more information about it. But um, if any of you out there uh, are unfamiliar with him, he was again he was a professional bodybuilder, Frank Hillebrand, and he uh, I think he was mostly known for his legs. But yeah, he competed at some pretty high level. I don't know if he ever did the Olympia. I think he might have done one or two, but. Uh, he was kind of a mid-pack guy, but, you know, he, uh, again, he was part of that whole kind of quote-unquote golden years kind of guys, and, yeah, he's passed away, so, um, right. you know, condolences to his family and friends. Yeah, at a young age, that's that disturbing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's something congenital or, you know, some of the some of the newer batch of guys, I almost expect that, you know what I mean? They Like you hear about, like, and I know he's not necessarily a newer batch, but, like, when you hear about Matarazzo and all of the problems Mike Matarazzo had with... Uh, his heart disease and everything and, uh, you know, complications in surgery when they tried to fix it. I mean, apparently he was making some uh, excuses just a year or two ago about, well, you know, I was on Winstrol year round, year after year. And, you know, I mean, folks, you cannot go through life with an HDL of two on a 50 scale <laughs> a month in and month out. You know, that's and not cool. He, and he was also notoriously a huge red meat eater. And so, so 
you know, when you put you put all the factors together, it's it's you know, I mean, who knows what its family history was, but you know, I mean, there, there's I was looking at a thread about the Frank Hillebrand thing a few days ago, and they were bantering back and forth. Some people were saying that you know, certainly steroids and so forth had you know would had no, oh, it must have had nothing to do with with what happened, and other people were saying it had entirely everything to do with it. And I mean, first of all, that's speculating way beyond anybody's you know, right to do. But I mean, I think any kind of rational thinking person would assume that it was probably a combination, as these things usually are, of a lot of factors. Right. So, Genetic susceptibility combined with other of things. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and so you can't really dis- discredit any of these things to, you know, what happened. But like I said, I think it's extremely, you know, um, arrogant to start firing off reasons why this guy died when most of these people don't even, you know, never met the man. So. Right. He always struck me as sort of a thinking man's kind of bodybuilder, too. I mean, I could be wrong, but he seemed to be sort of, you know, he seemed intelligent, if I remember, you know, him correctly. And like you said, known for his legs. He always had sort of a characterful physique, not the standard, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of cookie-cutter stuff that you see nowadays. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'll, I'm just going to pull up two more here. Uh, this one is related also to pop and soda. This is from Science Daily, which is a great little website if people want to check it out, um, from February 10th. It says, diet soda may raise odds of vascular events. Now, I think this is very interesting. It says, if you drink diet soda instead of the sugary variety, you could still have much higher risk of vascular events compared to those who don't drink soda. Now, you know, I know there are a lot of people down on artificial sweeteners and stuff, and this is just another thing, you know, to sort of critique them for. I mean, you hear about it messing with people's body weight set point and all this kind of stuff. But it says, according to research presented at the American Stroke Association's International Stroke Conference uh, in 2011, uh, let's see down here, even after researchers accounted for patients' other issues like metabolic syndrome, peripheral vascular disease, or heart disease history – the increased risk in the diet soda drinkers persisted at a rate of 48% higher. Damn. Wow. So, you know, diet pop really getting slammed here in this particular study. Now, of course, you know, this is one study, and we're going to wait for a consensus before we totally panic. I know probably there's a lot of Iron Radio listeners who uh, drink diet cola. And I, I mean, I'll ha- occasionally have one as sort of a, a treat. I'm not chugging them every day. But I believe they were having them. This was in people who drank at one or more every day, if I remember properly. So, yikes! I, you know, it's almost like there's no free ride, you know. Well, uh, I, I think it's it's. I mean, and you kind of taught me this um, several years ago, Lonnie, when I was living down near you. If if you recall, when you came over once, and I had, um, I was kind of on a a pop kind of binge for a couple months, and. Uh, I remember you just commenting on how, you know, how devastating that can be. And I mean, I immediately changed my way of looking at it. Now I do look at it as liquid candy. So, you know, as you said, I think a healthy way to look at it is it's a treat more than, you know, just a, a, a routine beverage. Yeah. Americans can't tell the difference anymore. I mean, our staples are so sickly sweet. And when I do weight management clinics for people with like a hospital or wellness centers or whatever, that's what I tell them. I'm like, listen, you've got to get yourself away from desiring sickly sweet things the food industry has done that to you you know start with putting half a pack of splenda in your coffee or tea maybe you know or cut your sweetener amount in half and over time you can actually learn to appreciate the taste of just plain tea or plain coffee or oatmeal or you know whatever it is without all the sugar Mm. so anyway um 
I got one more, and the reason I brought this one up is uh, I because one of the guys that works right down the hall from me, Gary, he does research with cherries, and apparently, I mean, his research is actually suggestive of this same stuff. Um, this is uh, again, where is this one from? Um, PR Newswire. Um, it's also though originally released from the Cherry Marketing Institute, so take take this with a grain of salt. New research suggests tart cherries could speed muscle recovery, uh, which is kind of neat. It says, Lansing, Michigan, February 9th, 2011. Tart cherries could help athletes reduce muscle damage or recover faster from tough workouts, according to new research published in the American College of Sports Medicine's Journal of Med, Sci, Sports, and Exercise. So that's cool. It says, after drinking cherry juice, athletes return to 90% of their normal muscle force at 24 hours, compared with only 85%. Uh, of normal at the same time without the cherry juice. And they're pointing at the anthocyanins, you know, those um, sort of purpley colored uh, phytochemicals, plant substances that might have uh, actually helped. Now, this press release concerns me a little. There's a couple of uh, what I would consider sort of cheesy books and non-peer-reviewed kinds of things in here from, you know, registered dietitians and just other people that, you know, it's not necessarily scientists pr- in peer-reviewed stuff. Uh, you gotta, you gotta also think about all the other variables that are going along with that within that study, aside from just the cherry juice, right? Oh yeah, and you know what? I actually measured the return of muscle uh, strength. I was looking at CLA, the, of course, the special fatty acid, in something very similar, um, and I didn't see anything much happen in that with that. But when I see ninety uh, percent. Return of strength. Cause typically, you know, you get a really sore muscle. It's about 15% weaker, uh, than normal. And in fact, that's exactly, uh, it looks like on part of what they're showing here, but you know, they're saying a 90% return to normal muscle force within a day versus 85%. Well, John, you and I both know, and fortunately, yes. I'm sure you have a feel for this too, a 5% difference. I don't know if they're doing this with isokinetic tests or, you know, something that produces plenty of data, but, it's really hard to nail down, you know, something on the magnitude of a five percent difference uh, in strength. Now, in a squat or something, fine. But if they're doing this like with a isokinetic leg extension, you know, and for people who are not savvy, there's sort of a wheel spinning inside of uh, the device, and you can flex it a certain, uh, you know, degrees per second of certain speed. But uh, that could be minor, and a lot of things affect performance tests. I would have loved to have seen some kind of blood work or some other marker of recovery because there are so many markers of recovery. And like I said, that's from the, it's actually based on a cherry marketing Institute press release. But like I said, I know there is a guy down the hall from me, Gary Castello, and he, um, he looks at cherry. He's sponsored by some cherry guys and there does seem to be some good stuff about cherries. Even Dr. Oz was talking yeah. about it a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know. It could be one of those things that might have some merit. We'll see. You know, I just saw something neat on a, a television show. They were, you know, the age-old, um, you know, the premise of the Hulk, you know, the whole concept of somebody lifting, you know, the woman lifting the car in a, in a fit of panic because somebody's pin, pinned underneath it. Where did yeah. she get the strength and so forth? Yeah, adrenaline they, surge. Right. And they actually were, were talking about, um, a, obviously, a very similar situation where a 110-pound teenage guy lifted the, this car, um, the front end of the car, office I, I believe it was his dad or something and they were you know going into the whole concept of like how is that possible that and they were relating it to chimps and monkeys in general and they were saying that how you know chimps are actually very 
um, close match to us as far as their strength capabilities, but the difference between us and them is that they were able to um, harness 100% of their strength capacity at will whenever, and they were thinking it had something to do with the uh, um, um, part of the brain that, that um, basically were much more sophisticated than them, and they're so much more primal. Um, and like a, a central drive kind of yeah, thing. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, and they were talking about how uh, they actually used that same guy who lit the teenager. They brought him into a, a, a lab, and they had him on a bench press type apparatus, and they actually um, fooled him into thinking at one point that the test was going awry and the, the weight came crashing down on him. Of course, he wasn't hurt, but they actually measured all these little, you know, um, things that were going on in his body and stuff, and they found that at that moment of instant where he was surprised, fe- fearful, scared, whatever, they found that his muscular, um, you know, the, the activation was just off the charts. See, that's and, it's it's interesting because it's sort of uncharted territory. I mean, most physiology they have techniques like the, in, you know, what is it, the interpolated twitch technique, and the different ways that you can kind of you can really get a good handle on how many, you know, what percentage or how many muscle fibers somebody is firing and. You know, compared to uh, like a trained person or untrained, and, and people are really very good at firing most of their ability. Uh, but like you're saying, you're not talking about something that's neuromuscular necessarily at the at the muscle level, but maybe like a, a central drive thing or something. Just what makes me wonder about that though is how people like that don't tear tendons right off of bones and stuff. Absolutely, you know. But I, but I've always been very interested in that because that's and that's one of the reasons the Hulk was always one of my favorite. You know, um, characters, fictitious, of course, but because um, that, that, the whole premise of that story is that where you know this David Banner guy was, you know, he was um, wondering why he had heard stories, and his wife was pinned, and he couldn't get the car off her, and so he became obsessed, you know, with this trying to find exactly what was what was the reason, and doing so, of course, he came across, you know, what became him. But um, it's very interesting, actually, and makes you kind of think of how, ways if you if you are a more kind of um, you know. Uh, more uh, elite level lifter or so forth, how you can somehow train yourself to better tap into that kind of primal aspect or, you know, kind of a fight or flight aspect. Right. John, uh, did you did you study anything about strychnine when you were studying for comps or anything? Uh, no, nothing like that. But Some I mean, of the old guys, they would actually use different weird substances. They're trying to, you know, basically remove the inhibitory uh, aspects of a muscle contraction and, you know, uh, I don't know whether through Golgi tendon organ or, you know, some of the different, uh, afferent and efferent, you know, nervous pathways and trying to completely unleash, uh, maximal muscle force without any of the inhibitory stuff. But of course, inhibitory stuff protects us right. from stuff like tears and whatnot. Right. It's almost like a human body limiter, you know, that you right? have on yeah. cars and so forth. Yeah. Um, very interesting topic though, I find. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We've I, that's a lot of news. I'm going to finish up with one. This is it's sort of news, but it's it's also a an announcement about um uh, ourselves here. Um, Iron Radio is going to start, and we've got this up on the website now. Uh, supporting members campaign in 2011. Uh, what I'd like to do is just ask listeners to basically um uh, treat us like public radio and become supporting members. 
Uh, and by doing so, what I mean is instead of just making single donations, and we've had that before, uh, and of course, you're under no obligation to do this. We're always going to do this stuff for free. But if you want to buck up and you've had it with sort of uh, cheesy programming or if you listen to a lot of podcasts and, and things around the Internet, you know, it's either commercially influenced or you'll get people that, you know, they don't have the education or the uh, – the I don't know athletic cred or certainly a combination. So uh, we're asking people who, if they're up for this, it's a very low amount. It's a four dollar a month recurring thing to help support Iron Radio and like, again in like an ongoing way. And if you do that, um, this is just arrived stuff. But uh, I, I'm going to give you a mug that actually says Iron Radio supporting member on it. So. We really would like your support so we can contain, you know, I'm sorry, maintain this kind of programming and, uh, you know, the, the different industry people that we interview and, uh, scientists and just the, or even just, you know, gym talk. So please consider that just becoming an Iron Maid, uh, Iron, Iron Maid, Iron Maiden. Iron Radio supporting <laughs> member. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about too is if, if, if Kiss, the band, if they could have the Kiss Army, why can't we have the Iron Army, right? We'll just that's, create it. That's right. I'm all for it. So anyway, um, but I don't. I don't want hair like Gene Simmons, though. No, no fortunately, you got to keep the bald look, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be the bald kiss. How about that? <laughs> and and plus, you know, you have to tell. tell you know, I, I'm doing this heavy research into you know my new supplement, uh, Fortress Tech. I thought you were going to discuss that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, next that topic. is research only, man. Come on. Yeah. Right, next topic. <laughs> All right. Well, our topic for the day, and this is partly why we brought um, John Mike in, is we're going to do uh, – we're going to resurrect actually something from an old magazine Rob and I used to work at. It's it, it just borrowing part of the name, but we're going to do the Iron Radio Sphincter Awards. This is, <laughs> this is sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek slam at some of the cheesiest stuff, um, you know uh, – that we see in the industry, in and around the industry. And we've got a couple of categories here and we're just going to, each of us sort of nominate, um, you know, uh, different people or events or things for these, the sphincter awards. Um, and again, normally we're very positive and we're fairly compassionate. Of, and Rob and I, we were talking about this before, but, and, and John as well about the young guy who's struggling in the corner of the gym, he's underweight, he's doing everything wrong. We have a lot of compassion for that kind of stuff. We're never going to slam those guys. But our compassion starts to fade when we see companies or gurus or books or whatever it is take advantage of the ignorance of those young guys or even you know our peers, like uh, age peers, so adult guys uh, or older guys for that matter, anybody. So our consumer advocate, you know, ire is going to get irked and raised when we start to see some of this stuff. So we're going to be maybe a little less compassionate and just, you know, start uh, pointing a finger uh, at the guilty parties. So anyway, we've got a couple of things going on as far as uh, categories here. And the first one I want to talk about is um, the cheesiest ad. Now, this could be in a magazine. It could be uh, something media-related. And something immediately jumped to mind to me. But, Rob, did you have anything, either a category or a specific ad that you've thought about? You know, nothing specific. I, I just, I'm, I've just grown completely and utterly disgusted with a lot of what is presented in the supplement industry, um, in the, in the bodybuilding magazines and such. Um, 
you know, it, it's it's the same argument or the same you know criticism that I've had for a lot of years now. But it's it's just the um, false advertisement and and you know detouring people who are ignorant to begin with to towards what they want and not and presenting them all the information that they want to hear versus what the reality of it is and you know presenting all the the uh, endorsed athletes you know who are absolutely 100% using you know chemicals and hormones and so so forth um and then you know saying how you know this this product got them to where they they were so they could win this title and that type of thing yeah yeah it's one thing to insinuate it. It's another one just to bold-faced lie and say, yeah, I got here using XYZ, you know, Fortress I totally, Dick. I totally agree, Fortress, with what you're saying. I mean, so much of the industry is, is based around people or companies, you know, really selling things, and they really put the actual truth of results, you know, somewhere, you know, in the corner on the sidelines where you can't really see them type of thing. So yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with selling a product if you can also get across, you know, if, if a company is going to sponsor an athlete or they're going to write articles or whatever they're going to do, if you can get some education across in the process and you're not lying and falsifying, you know, there's nothing wrong there. I mean, there are good muscle building products, so whey protein and creatine and things like that. But there's little doubt that it's, it's that sort of emotional spin, uh, where they get these people who Rob says, you know, they lack the filter. To interpret what's evidence, you know, what's real versus hype. And they impulse buy, as most people do. I mean, that's what marketers in general do, right? They try to link a product to a, a feeling or an emotion or something. I mean, the average lay person doesn't go out and scan PubMed in the National Library of Medicine for the recent evidence on this or that. They just, they buy on impulse. And, you know, people do take advantage of that. And I'll tell you, What's, what strikes me though is, is the cheese. Uh, not just the, you know, some, like a falsehood or something, but the cheese factor that is just dripping like Velveeta yeah. off, <laughs> off of the fitness industry, bodybuilding and fitness. I was listening to, uh, the other, uh, week. I, I, I don't even know how I came around to, to listening to this, but part of a, a podcast called Pro Bodybuilding Weekly and, Pro bodybuilding, you know, Rob, you were saying that, you know, so many things sort of irk you about the industry now. And I mean, the ads on, on their podcast, and I'm sure it gets a lot of hits and, you know, they talk about pro bodybuilding and a lot and, you know, there's some merits to it. I'm sure the ads that they're running, uh, were so embarrassingly cheesy. I mean, how can you possibly get people to appreciate the merits of hard training with iron, you know, when, this kind of stuff is going on. I mean, as soon as it starts, you, you, you know, you hear muscle track, muscle track, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, I can't. Why do you have to do it like that? You know what I mean? It's 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 as cheesy as the the worst infomercial. Some of these things. And it wasn't just them. I mean, there was a variety of companies. And this is just my opinion, of course. But well, yeah, you know, why is it so embarrassing and cheesy? Why can't they do something that's cool or motivating like the was it animal or something they did some cool ads you know where is the taste where is the coolness it's oh i don't know i think what you know and you said sorry mike and you said exactly um john you said exactly what what i was thinking about like like muscle tech i think they kind of took the, the next rung and kind of just ran with it i mean if you look at um i mean one of my absolute favorite i.e., you know, most embarrassing 
ad of theirs was the whole that cryo you know, putting a cryo before whatever the product was, and the, you know, the ad was a picture of whatever, you know, Dexter Jackson or whoever it was, you know, in some sort of cryo suspended state, you know, cold, and you, you, you know, you, you'll, you'll taste, you'll taste, you'll, you'll get a, a zap of the coldness when you. And I actually tried it because I got a free can from somebody, and absolutely, when you taste it, you get that cold um, kind of um, mint that kind of gives the impression of cold. Okay. Um, like menthol <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's just so cheesy because it's. I don't really know what they're kind of trying to get at there, but <sighs> embarrassing. Yeah, gimmicky. Yeah. Yeah. We Sorry, John. Take, you were saying. Yeah, we just take you know a little bit from what Lonnie, what you were saying. I mean, you see these like PX ninety or P ninety X and Insanity, and they're they're on these just these national network television stations and. You see him, you know, do this, and it burns up to a thousand calories an hour. I mean, if anyone's out there listening, I mean, do you understand what a thousand calories? An <laughs> do hour you understand? <laughs> oh, here, jeez. Yeah, you're not going to burn through twenty four thousand calories a day. You know, you'd melt away. You'd be gone by Friday. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think the high, the highly trained endurance athletes can expend a thousand calories an hour. I mean, give me a break. No, it's yeah. You would overheat. You can't generate that many calories worth of heat. Uh, with, I was just talking about maximal sweat rate in class. You know, it's somewhere around two liters of sweat. You can sweat an hour. You yeah. know, and that's your number one way to cool off. So, I mean, if you generate much more than I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, it, I'm sure it's several hundred. But yeah. yeah, you can only generate so much heat before you die. <laughs> you, you, you have a literal meltdown. Yeah. It, it just really burns me up. It, 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 I just, <laughs> no pun intended. All to, right. <laughs> I just want to take a 300-pound atlas stone and like, drop it onto a car or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, even if you could get up around, you know, let's say you could get somewhere near 900 calories an hour or something like that, you're not going to sustain it, and you're sure as hell not going to do that at rest. Yeah. I mean, you'd be having like thyroid storms and, you know, tremors and <laughs> well, you I, would I don't just blow up. I mean, you literally <laughs> blow up. You, you like tremors and like spiral. a meat grenade. <laughs> <laughs> meat grenade. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on to the next category, which is related, of course, which is worst supplement or training device or regime. Um, so any one of those categories, a supplement, a training device, or like a, a book and like a regime. And the reason I want to include books and regimes, I think, is because with as much heat as dietary supplement companies get, and many of them certainly deserve it, uh, most of them probably. Uh, but for whatever reason, the hokey diet books that try to bank on a specific reader hook – you know, and get people pulled in as this is the reason why we're all fat or that's the reason why, you know, the medical community is wrong. And, you know, and all these red flags, uh, I wanted to include the books and the training regimes too because I think they're just as hokey as the supplements and some of the funky equipment and whatnot. But so what do you guys have about that stuff? Um, How about you, John? You were talking about some of the training devices. Yeah, you know, I think um, – <clears throat> You know, Phil and I have talked about this before, and most people know I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the P90X stuff. I've done a few of the workouts in the past, and they are challenging, but at least the people that are doing it, at least they're they're doing something rather than nothing. But I, I, I would probably give uh, like worst guru award to uh, that that Tony Horton guy for the P90X stuff, and then probably maybe on top of that that 
that just that advertisement of that shake a weight thing. I mean, how freaking retarded. Oh, this is the the piston pulsing dumbbell thing. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a sexual device. <laughs> it's so freaking retarded. I mean, even someone like flipping burgers can understand it doesn't really work. <laughs> Have you guys seen the YouTube video where they're making fun of that? The guy's like, no. you know, standing between be, beside all the like the bodybuilders and that and like with this thing shaking. And he's yeah, he, and of course there, he's he's assuming positions and so forth that makes it look like he's uh, <laughs> masturbating with it. And, assuming, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like he's jerking off and stuff. It's that's it's uh, yes. pretty funny, pretty funny. You know, it, yeah, that that's an absurd, absurd. It, it's item. funny how I'm trying to separate these categories into ineffectual versus cheesy, but usually the people who are the offenders in one are offending in the other. You know, like John was saying, you know, the the guy who's pushing. P ninety X V Y nonsense, you know. It, the just, guy is, and I, you know, I'm not even pointing a finger at him directly, but it seems like the the people who are doing that, they're always tan, shirtless, yep. you know, or in some kind of hokey spandex jumpsuit or something. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, whether it's P ninety X or it's, it's all based around just circuit training. I mean, they're just glorified, well-marketed versions of circuit training. Amen to that. How many different versions of circuit training have you seen people try to brand in in their own brand? It's just trying to do more work in less time. And circuit training is a nice, efficient approach yeah, at a lot of things. But I think a lot of people need to realize circuit training is a compromise between aerobic and anaerobic kinds of training, you know, programs. And it's not meant to be the best of both worlds. It's meant to be an efficient compromise for people who can't lift like a man and then do his cardio later. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I've, I've always, I mean, this is, this is coming from me too. I've always championed the, the, you know, the advantageous nature of circuit training. And I think that it's, it's actually quite viable and good for a lot of people. But I mean, certainly you're right. It's a compromise for sure. But yeah, all the people that, like, you know, like John was saying that are trying to, you know, repackage what is essentially circuit training into something new and, and you put their little own little spin on it in a very kind of, yeah, cheesy way. It's, it, it grows on you after a while. Yeah. And you know what? And you're right. I should be fair. As a gateway kind of thing or for people who crunch for time, I'd rather see them doing resistance stuff with circuit training than just jogging mindlessly, you know, for hours on end. So I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to be too uh, critical there. It, It has its place. But you know what I'm saying too is once you get to a point where you start to appreciate the love of strength and muscle mass and stuff like that, that's going to be a band aid. That's not going to be your staple. Right. I guess what I'm saying, I mean, I, you know, circuit training certainly has its advantages, of course. And I don't want to sound like too critical, but it's just, I just get frustrated with the way that it's marketed and the information, like this whole muscle confusion, just silliness. You know, it's just ridiculous the way they just sort of try to market themselves. Um, I'm not trying to take away from the advantages of doing any type of circuit training or within that specific nature. It's just the way that it's really marketed is, is really um, they're trying to sort of invent new things when it's really not new. Yeah, they have to spin it somehow. So yeah, you're going to hear. I've heard a whole bunch of phrases that are really questionable. You know, these these supposed phenomenon that are really questionable to scientists. I mean, whether it's something like adrenal fatigue or like you say, muscle confusion, or there's so many people come up with their own sort of uh, theories and descriptions when you can describe this stuff with, you know, like. 
you know, you talk about adrenal fatigue and stuff like that, but a lot of the people who are talking about that, I was listening to a podcast, a fitness and bodybuilding podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about this. I'm like, you know, that's what you're describing, at least in that case, that's thyroid suppression because the fitness competitors have been abusing thyroid and now they've shut down, you know, or, you know, it could be uh, clenbuterol or different beta agonists. And then you, you, you know, you lose a huge percentage of your receptors, adrenaline receptors to respond to it. I mean, it, this stuff can be explained, but I think they have to spin it in sort of a way. And you're right. I mean, whether it's P90X or whatever, or if it's even CrossFit elements of that, you know, a lot of this stuff is sort of, yeah, rebranded. Well, if, yeah, if you really think about the CrossFit, um, you know, I guess paradigm or program, it's all really based upon, um, you know, GPP, you know, general physical preparedness, which is really what the late Mel Sif, you know, talked about in some of his work. So, I mean, that in and of itself is just nothing really new. Yeah. yeah they do a great job of marketing it, making it sound new, though. I got to tell, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's ethical, but, you know, they seem to have the marketing down. I wanted to say one thing before we go to a quick break here. Um, and that's as far as if you add a supplement in this category, and I know Fortress is usually the one that sort of, uh, you know, has his critical opinions of muscle tech and stuff. But one of the things that's still on the market, as far as I can tell, and there are worse supplements than this, but from a consumer advocacy point of view, this one has always bothered me. And that's cell tech because yes. there's 75 grams of sugar in there. And on the label, it won't say sugar. It'll say HPLC tested, you know, uh, dextrose. Okay, well, that's glucose, that's sugar. And I don't want to spend $50 on a canister of sugar with only a little dab of creatine in it, right? I'd rather buy creatine monohydrate and then have fun with the sugar part. Right, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because several years ago, this was probably about seven, eight years ago, I actually tried that, and it was absolutely disgusting. I mean, I literally had to force myself to just have like an eight-ounce cup of it. You always hear stuff too, like you know, oh, it's a, it's it's the insulin creatine delivery system, system. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just it's silly to me. I don't want to spend fifty bucks on sugar when I can go buy some, you know, sugary foods or even something like a high glycemic carb, like white bread, or even if you want to go buy straight glucose or dextrose in bags. I know some guys do that. Uh, or, you know, eat some cream of rice or I don't, I, those are dirt cheap products or ingredients. And to charge a premium price, you know, companies like that know that a big chunk of that is, you know, cheap, cheap to, you know, uh, put into the can. So anyway, I think from a consumer advocacy point of view, that one bothers me sort of. And I, again, there are worse products. I, is it true that insulin, that all that sugar, 75 grams of sugar, is going to jack up your insulin? Yep, it is. Will that drive in creatine? Yeah, it will. I'm just saying, you know, for, as a consumer advocate, I'd rather buy the creatine separate and either get dirt cheap sugar or have fun with my sugar. I don't yeah, know. Or do, do it. Do, like, let me oh, go ahead. Do, it nor, do what normal people do and just take buy some creatine straight and just dump it in some apple juice. Yeah. Or just yeah. water, just a micronized powder and just drink it water. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do have to have a pretty big sugar load to get the insulin really high and drive it in. But creatine doesn't absolutely require some delivery system, whether it's something that they try to add and they say it's a delivery system like lipoate or whether it's, you know, sugar. Creatine works without it. So Yeah, but Lonnie, is that a delivery system or a delivery system? Delivery. <laughs> I don't <laughs> 
All right, listen. Let's right. let's take a brief break here. I just want to uh, run some ads and some public service announcements. And when we come back, we'll finish with a couple other categories in our Sphincter Award. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. And we're back. Um, We are talking about the worst supplement or cheesy training programs and that kind of stuff and how oftentimes um, the books and supplements in the the cheesy programs, they sort of go hand in hand. You know, the ones that are the least valid are also the cheesiest. But one of the things I wanted to talk about is I have some a couple examples here, but also just a category. And you might find this, you know, um, funny coming from me, but one of the most absurd training programs I've seen, I was just sort of Googling, you know, training programs to see what's out there and muscle building programs and stuff. But it's the category of people who are anti-supplement zealots. I mean, zealots so they think every supplement is somehow cheating or steroids or whatever it is but what i think is very ironic is then they say so buy my training program and you won't need all that stuff yeah you know and i mean how hypocritical is that i mean there were two i actually saw one was muscle building reviews i think was was the website and the other one was musclenow.com or something and both of them are saying stuff like you know, we're so against supplements and this and that. And then I think this is very telling. Their websites look like ads. The website itself looks like an infomercial, a bad infomercial, in my opinion. So, I mean, get over it. You know what I mean? Science, if science says something works again and again, like creatine or whey protein, that's not cheating. Uh, I don't know of any, you know, um, person who's not in a specific organization that forbids it that would have any problem with those things, you know, unless you have some weird underlying health problem. But let's face it. These things are tools. They're just food. Just because it's in a capsule or a powder doesn't make it evil. And some people go nuts with this stuff. Um, and especially when they, then they, you know, they spin that around and say, so buy my training program. Well, great. Because training well, the, without yeah. proper nutrition is not going to get you. It's well, very the thing easy. is too. Well, the thing is that both, both of you know, when they say that, you know, buy my training program, uh, they don't. They never give specifics on anything. They just say buy it, and then if you do, it's. I don't. You know, you never really know what it is. It's probably right. 
Exactly. No, because that's the secret, you know. Yeah. You're right. That's the intellectual property. That's the secret. Secret. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, another one, and this has got a little bit of a different category here, but uh, this is the most embarrassing incident. Uh, I actually found a good one. I think some listeners have probably heard of this already. But before I go, do you guys want to point out anything that was like really embarrassing in bodybuilding or strength or fitness? Um, well, you know, you know, just in the recent Flex Pro, um, IFBB Pro Show, what is with this pro, this big Dan Hill guy? Don't know. I don't know if you guys even know who this Dan Hill guy. His nickname's Big, Big Dan Hill. Okay. I don't. I think he won the German think. the German Nationals to get his pro card or something like that. And you know, if 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 Big Big Dan's listening, <laughs> I don't mean any disrespect <laughs> to you, brother. Um, certainly, you look better than ninety nine point nine percent of it, guys who are in gyms. I just don't really understand how this guy's a pro. I think he just you know he just competed and he came like almost dead last in the Flex Pro. But oh, I hear I just typed it in and it pulled up a bodybuilding dot com little page with him. Big Dan yeah. Hill contemplates his first pro show, and there's some his, pictures of him here in the gym. Yeah, you know, he, go, go go to his website. I mean, there's nothing. Again, I'm not ripping on the guy. I mean, he's got, like I said, he's got a really good physique by pretty much any measure except pro for for IFBB pro level. Yeah, don't don't really know what's going on there. But. In my experience, a lot of the people who talk the most about IFBB pro are people who are sort of. You know, were once an IFBB pro, and you know it's like their only accolade, their only um, uh, calling card. You know, or people who, like you say, are in the the lower echelons of this stuff, and they just really want to be associated. You know? But don't, but don't you think a guy who really is probably on the quite small side of things shouldn't have a nickname called Big? <laughs> yeah, I'd say if you're gonna use if you're gonna use the B I G word. In modern pro bodybuilding, you better be about, you know, two seventy five in shape or something, or uh, or know, quite or a bit more. more. I mean, I mean, it, you're just inviting yourself to be. I mean, I would have dropped that like a heartbeat if I was this guy, because that just makes it so much worse for the guy. Yeah, that, and like I say, Big Dan, not ripping on you, brother. No, yeah, I'm looking at his physique. You know, it, he, he he's got a good, like you said, he's got a good build. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize. Uh, he was getting a ton of attention and stuff. Hey guys, what about um, some of the recent like celebrity endorsed products? I was saw this recent commercial with this Ronnie dude from this Jersey Shore, and he's advertising this Zenadrine product, which of course has been out for a long, long time. You know what? But the, hold on. For- but, but the thing is, I saw it, I, I saw it on TV, and then I read it, and then the dude smokes. Okay, and wow. he's advertising this Zenadrine product. And now, and now I'm seeing more of hydroxycut more and more these days, even though that's been around for a long time too. No, I want you know I'm glad you brought that up because I actually just saw that ad myself. Yeah. I mean, if anybody yeah, promotes a really shoddy lifestyle, it's those fools. I mean, these guys are all club going, drinking, smoking, yeah. and all the guys on the show. And now, no, I don't watch the show, but I have caught five or ten minutes of it. All those guys are clearly using gas. Yep, and that guy is the biggest freaking uh, you know the biggest. Um, well, somebody yeah, well somebody said that like dude, he's like this Ronnie dude is like super huge, like two fifty plus. I'm like, 
No, he's probably maybe two tennish or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I actually saw that ad too, and I was thinking, what's going on here? I mean, all he's got going on is a lot of freaking testosterone bloat, yeah. you know. And he's right. promoting this Xenadrine, uh, you know. To, I use this stuff every day, to, you know, to keep my body. It's like, what are you promoting here, really? I mean. You know, who's promoting it and what is the company promoting? I mean, what a joke. Don't even get me started on the jersey nonsense. I mean, obviously those marketers <laughs> know more than we do as far as reaching people because they have like six or eight million people watching that stuff and I we know. have like 6,000, you know. <laughs> but the point being is, oh my God, it caters to the lowest common denominator of person. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a clear indicator. Uh, you know, that our society is heading down the toilet. <laughs> it might be a slow decline, but we've got to turn this around because programming like that, that you know, those kind of programs, they celebrate violence and stupidity and I, 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 some of these housewives shows and stuff like that. But Dude. the whole Jersey phenomenon thing is just driving me nuts. I got nothing against people from Jersey, but I, I'm sure there's some good ball busting, hard working blue collar guys in, in, in New Jersey too. And who are we looking at? We're looking at these petty, club-going, tanned-up grease monkeys. Well, you know. all they do is, yeah, that's all they do is have a bunch of silly drama and go to the gym, which their gym time's, you know, nothing but, you know, biceps or something. Wonderful. And what's that chick's name? Snooker? Snooky. 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 Yeah, Snooky, get lost. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I've, I've got one, too, and again, I think some people might have heard of this, but... Um, uh, I, I pulled this off uh, of a website, but I heard about it in the news as well. Sweden's war against bodybuilding. Have you guys heard about this? Or about uh, one of the pros, Tony Freeman? Do you know oh, where I'm going it, with this? Was it, was it Sweden or Switzerland? Well, this one says Sweden. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just read you some of this, some of the quote. IFBB professional bodybuilder Tony Freeman released a statement this weekend describing his recent experience as a victim of what's called muscle profiling by police in Sweden. Muscle profiling uh, is suggestive of uh, anabolic steroid use. Uh, it's an accepted law enforcement practice, apparently, in Sweden that has been used to detain numerous bodybuilders in recent years. The muscle profiling policy has been kept under the radar for the most part up until recently. Um, Sundval Police Chief Henrik Blusi garnered publicity for his, quote, war on bodybuilders, unquote, with a plan to make a very embarrassing and humiliating example out of pro bodybuilders attending the 2010 fitness festival in uh, Gothenburg. I'm probably trashing that name, but it says to, uh, that, yeah, we we call it Gothenburg, but yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> that's Gothenburg. Yeah. Uh, Tony Freeman had the misfortune of being the first pro bodybuilder to fly into Sweden for the expo. The Sunval police chief orchestrated media coverage by notifying local television stations and other media outlets prior to the raid. So this guy's literally setting up the poor Tony Freeman dude um, prior to the raid uh, of a supplement store where Freeman was signing autographs. Freeman was detained on suspicion of anabolic steroid use solely based on his, quote, extraordinary muscularity, unquote, and status as a professional bodybuilder after approximately 10 police officers escorted him from the supplement store. And there's a lot of discussion to hear rumors about they made him submit to a urine test and this and that. But I don't know, I'm not sure who, what's more embarrassing is for, for Tony Freeman, you know, to be called out because he's jacked and he's obviously on, or for this, you know, police chief who's 
obviously got some kind of a weird psychological issue about hypermuscular dudes. Um, and I've run into that a few times before people that are just really down on, you know, big cats. Um, so I don't know. It, it, I'm not sure which yeah, side's more em- embarrassing, you know, that this guy got totally called out and he had to issue some statements and backpedal and, you know, yeah, and there was a without, without completely denying that all this. But think how dangerous they, it is if a government can start to say, you're jacked, you're on the shit, you're going to jail. I mean, just that kind of profiling is just not the American way, you know. You know, and, and we we all, you know, have a, have eyes to see pretty immediately when some guy's on. But, and I'm not saying I'm for or against, you know, that. But it's a pretty dangerous precipice to stand on when you start, you know, doing that to people solely on just, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's... That's dangerous. That's a dangerous, dangerous thing way to go. It really is because it starts. I mean, if you're going to start doing doing this kind of stuff based on looks, you know, you could start doing this based on you know this or that ethnicity. You know, has a higher uh, I don't know uh, crime rate or this or that. You know what I mean? It opens the floodgates for all kinds of stuff, and it's subjective. You're hypermuscular. I'm going to detain you and take you to jail and make you give me a urine test or. You know what I mean? This is – it's such a breach of privacy laws, but I know that we're not from Sweden, so you know maybe that's the way they roll there. Well, I'll tell you, Jay Cutler canceled his ticket pretty fast. Yeah, no doubt. Could you imagine the guys just running for the hills, like rerouting their flights <laughs> – you know, before, you know, because they didn't want to land. I mean, if if this Tony guy got nailed to the wall cause, just because he was the first one there, think about all the other pros and fitness competitors, all of them meeting that, you know, muscle profiling rule, that, you know, extraordinary muscularity rule. Um, they must have just been freaking out to get the hell out of there. And so much for the um, so much for the financial benefits that the town could have gotten by having a you know, a bodybuilding event there or something like that. Not that these are huge sporting events, but, you know. Yeah. Just chasing them away. <laughs> I don't know. Poor bastards. Well, that's about all I've got. And I, actually, we're about out of time. So we, we're not going to actually vote, I don't think, on these kinds of things, whether it's cheesiest ad or worst supplement or training device or whatever, or most absurd training program or even most embarrassing incident. But it is kind of fun to sort of look at the the dark side of um, strength training and bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff and hopefully try to stand against it on some level. I don't know. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's pretty much it. That's all we have for today. So uh, next week, let's see. I think we have Bill Pearl uh, coming on. Yeah, and I know people liked when he was on before, and now there's a guy that is not cheesy, and he's exactly what we need. I think he's exactly what young men need right now. Not not more cheesy ads. Getting like somebody like Tom Platt's on or something. Yeah, we're going to reach out to some of these guys. A a lot of the bodybuilders, as as Rob knows, I don't want to get him started, but – even the quality guys, like a like a Platts or a Zane or some of these guys, they're going to be very reluctant and hard to you know re- get them to return your calls and, and some of that kind of thing. I think just as a breed, for whatever reason, some of them because they're flakes, some of them just because I don't know it's it's in their nature to want to be paid for these kinds of things. Um, they're harder to get a hold of than the powerlifter guys. Yeah. So we're going to keep trying. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that a lot of these guys are under contract now with these big supplement companies. 
or with the magazines, you know. Oh and, gosh, that's true. Oh, right, that's right. And I mean, that's that's. I mean, in the publishing world, that has become infinitely frustrating for publishers and so forth because, you know, it's and the whole thing started basically with that whole Weeder thing where Weeder was trying to you know get a monopoly on the top guys and all he did in the process was stifle his sport that he professed to love. Well, because, we're so critical of Muscle Tech, you know, and they sponsor most of the big current pros at least. So fortunately, we're more looking for the classic guys and not the, not, not just the latest flavor current pro because we'd probably never get them because Muscle Tech will say stay away from those higher radio guys. Well, well I, mean, I mean, all of them, like muscular development, I mean, all the magazines, supplements, everybody's got their contracts now with these guys and they, and they bump around. Like, look at, look at Lee Priest. I mean, this guy, you know, um, gets endorsed and leaves that endorsee like a month later. I mean, they, he, these guys jump around all over the place, but it, all it does is serve to basically stifle the industry and the athletes, really, when you think about it, because instead of letting these guys, I mean, it's fine to have an endorsement with somebody, but when you're kind of, you know, limiting the exposure that this person can do outside of the realm of your own media or your channels of media, all you're doing, again, is suffocating the sport. So. Well, you're making everything a commercial. Yeah. yeah. You know, everything becomes a commercial then because you're not going to badmouth, you know, uh, the company that's sponsoring you. In fact, you might even be obligated to, you know, push their stuff, whatever it might be. So yeah, compared to the old days where you had people appear across all the mags and never thought about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's too bad. All right, guys. Well, sweet. Uh, great show, man. Thanks for coming on, John. Right. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye. Right. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.vissn.org. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, Buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.